Okay, would you please open your Bible study to lesson 14? We have 14 and 15, and we're going to be done with this series of lessons. And after the holidays, I will share with you what our plan is for the next little season that we have here. But for right now, we're going to focus on this word that God has for us tonight. Leslie, I'm going to share that later. Jerry's going to make sure that we share about you, Leslie. She's part of my message. So is Beth. I'll just let you know so you can be ready for that. Okay. Believe, obey, and act. Let's look at the lesson purpose together. Before I read the lesson purpose with you, I just want to give you a little, um, just a little extra nugget. Years ago, I was praying, and God put three words on my heart. The three words were believe, obey, and act. And when I was putting this Bible study together at the very beginning, nine years ago, so we've been teaching um, healing classes for nine years now, way before this was published, that I knew needed to be one of the, the, the lessons that we talked about. And so this, this, this was birthed in prayer. This lesson was birthed in prayer. God gave it to me. And when God does that, I like to say, okay, God, what are you showing me? And then I just delve into his word and he just opens it up. So that's where that came from. Right from God. This is his word for you. So in the lesson purpose, in a healing journey, which is our Bible study, we've searched God's word to learn his perfect will for our lives, which includes healing and wholeness in our body. As we come to know, and I'm going to insert something in here, as we come to know him as we come to know god personally as we come to know his word and his will our faith rises up our faith our believing is established that's the first word believe we've spent a lot of time in this bible study talking about god's will talking about um coming to know his will Know it, not intellectually, but truly know it. Know that you know it and believe it. So that's the first part. Then the next part says, we've also taken a close look at our individual lives, our actions, our thoughts, our motives. We've measured ourselves according to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and the direction that he gives us in his word to live godly lives. So we've come to... to to seek and search God's message for us. Leslie was, and this isn't the, this isn't the testimony, Jerry, yet. But Leslie, when she walked in, was talking to me about something she heard from the Holy Spirit and how she, it just blessed her in such a great way. That's what this next part is. Obey. He speaks to us. He guides us. He leads us. He helps us to make decisions. He's got our back. He's for us. If we were on a basketball team and there was us on one team and the unsaved ones on the other, he's for us. Not that he's not for the unsaved because of course he is. But we are his kids. He's cheering for us. He's for us. And he's got it all handled. And he's there to help us along the way. But he gives us direction, and our part is to follow that direction, to follow the direction he gives us in his word, to follow the direction he gives us with that still, small voice when he speaks to us, to follow the direction if, he, if you have a conviction. Convictions are good. Conviction is God saying, Cindy, this is my best for you. This is what I want you to do. I'm going to share a little bit of that as, we speak late, as I speak later tonight. So that's the obedience part. The third part, the act part, the purpose of this lesson is to explore another factor in receiving the precious healing that our Savior has already provided for us, and that is that our actions must correspond to our believing. Our actions must correspond to our believing. And as our actions do correspond, faith is just strengthened. As our actions, as we walk, as we take those steps of faith, our faith increases. As we take those actions, there's just something powerful in that. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Would you please turn with me to 
James chapter 2. And this scripture is not written down in your Bible study. This is a preface to the lesson. I gave you my little summary, and now God's going to give you his from the Bible. James chapter 2, verse 17. So also faith, if it does not have works, deeds and actions of obedience to back it up, by itself is destitute of power, inoperative, and dead. This is the Amplified translation. It's so powerful. It says that the actions give life to our faith. It says in the scripture, and I'm paraphrasing now, it says that faith without actions to back it up is inoperative it says that if we believe but we don't act like we believe if we believe but our actions don't line up with our believing that faith isn't operative or powerful well i don't know about you but i want my believing to have power with it to receive the gift that jesus has already paid the price for and then if i go down to verse 21 i'm going to continue reading Was not our forefather Abraham shown to be justified, made acceptable to God by his works when he brought to the altar as an offering his own son Isaac? You see that his faith was cooperating with his works and his faith was completed and reached its supreme expression when he implemented it by good works. He was showing his faithfulness. He knew. He he didn't put his son on the altar believing his son was going to die and believing or if he did die that he wasn't going to be raised from the dead he knew that his son was his posterity and abraham knew that the promise god gave him was to be the father of many nations he had faith but he did he was obedient in a way that i can't even imagine but he was obedient and he took an act of faith and his faith was realized his son was, he, he and the generations to come were the, the birth of the, the generation of believers. Faith and actions go hand in hand. So I'm going to talk tonight about four different pieces of your actions corresponding to your believing. I know there's a whole lot more than this, but we're going to go through four different pieces of our actions corresponding to our faith or our believing. And the first one is our words. Foundation one, our words. We've talked about words in here a lot, but it's important. Our words, do your words agree? Is the words that you're speaking out of your mouth, does it agree with your faith? Does it believe with, does it agree with God? Does it agree with his words and what you're believing Remember, faith, the birthplace of faith is knowing your Savior, knowing Jesus, knowing his love for you, knowing his promises for you. But the question is, do your words agree with that? It says, as we learn God's perfect will for healing and confess or agree with his promises over our body, It's important that we carry those words into our everyday life. So what does that look like? Let's look at Proverbs 18.21 and review a scripture that we've looked at a couple of other times. Proverbs 18. Would you turn there, please? I'm going to read it from two different translations. First, I'm going to read it from um, uh, the Amplified, and then I'm going to read it from the Message. So it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. So it's that God is telling us in his word that we have seeds, our words are seeds, and the seeds of our words can either be seeds of death, and you don't need to think of death as being dead in the, and, and no longer living, but words that aren't, aren't God's best for us negative kind of speaking or words of life god's best for us the abundant kinds of things that god has planned for us those words are seeds the seeds that we sow reap the harvest of the seed that was sown in the message bible it says words kill words give life 
They're either poison or fruit. It's your choice. You choose. So in your study, number one, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. So that fruit is the result of the words that you speak. If you speak words of sickness, if you magnify the problem, if you're speaking about it a lot, that's the harvest. But if you speak words of life and God's best for you and being whole, no matter what the doctor's report says, if you speak those words, the harvest follows the seeds that you've sown. Amen. Amen. In the Bible, it talks about Jesus being crucified and going to the grave. And it talks in, this is in Romans chapter 6, and I'm just totally going to paraphrase it. But it also talks about us being crucified with him. And the old person is, is dead. And we're resurrected to new life with Jesus. Now, when Jesus died and was crucified and went to the grave, he destroyed death. He destroyed the eternity of death. Yes, we still do die, but we will never be without him. That eternal separation is no longer in effect for his kids. He destroyed the effects of death. He destroyed the the curse. The curse is, is canceled out for his kids, right? If I've been crucified with Christ and been resurrected to new life with him, I have that. That's mine as a believer. Now, this is the point I want to make. If we speak those words of death, we're resurrecting from the grave what Jesus killed. If we speak words of of negativity, of death, Jesus paid a huge price for us. But if we speak words, it's like calling those things back to life. It's like resurrecting them from the dead. I don't want to resurrect junk from the dead. But I'm, I'm alive. I'm resurrected with Jesus. And as I speak words of life, I'm speaking resurrection. I'm speaking life. I'm speaking the power of the resurrection. It's not just words. Those words have life. Those words are powerful. Especially, especially when we are using God's word. But even when we're not directly using God's word, when we're speaking life, there is power in our words. I want to um, talk about two warning signs. And, and the only reason I'm doing this is because I want to enlighten any area of possible darkness. I want to shine a light on it. So the first warning I have, um, hypothetically, um, because Kent and I talk to a lot of people that are dealing with, with sicknesses, we hear a lot of conditions and stories and things like that. The warning that I have is that when I get on the phone or when I'm talking to somebody and they tell me every minute detail and go on and on and on to such a degree that I have to interrupt them to say, stop, let me pray. They give me like their whole life history of every negative part of the problem. And then I start to pray. And the Holy Spirit comes, and his presence is with us. And I am just, uh, like I always am, in awe of, of the goodness of God and of the, the presence of God in that, in that setting. And I'm, I'm speaking over the issue and, and, and know in faith that that's God's will. And I say, in Jesus' name, amen. And then they say, and, and they start right in again with the problem. Or they say, but, and they start right in again with the problem. That's a warning sign. That's a big red flag. And when we hear that, the ministry team can agree with me. When we hear that, we go, okay. (laughs) How are we gently going to say, you're magnifying the problem instead of magnifying your great big God? But, But that's what we need to do. 
That's what we, remember we've talked about sympathy and, and compassion. Compassion is saying, stop, listen to yourself. Because you're magnifying the problem. You're not magnifying God. So that's one of the warnings. The second warning is a little, um, a little harder to detect. But it has to do with people telling me problems about people. Not about themselves. But about people. So they're, they're concerned, of course, with their own situation and their, and their health, but they're, they're talking a lot about the people in their lives that maybe um, uh, aren't helping them the way that they should be helping them or they're not getting the support they should be getting in this season of their life or, um, I don't know, issues with family or issues with children or issues with whatever. Because when the, the warning that I have with that is that it's a very... It's a signal of offense. It's a signal that there is a, an offense that has taken root and maybe a, a root of bitterness. And that can get in the way of receiving. So those are two words of warning that we hear with your words. The point I want to make real clearly, are your words in agreement with your believing? And this is everyday words. Words when you're in, at work. Words when you're just hanging out with your family. No matter where you're at. Are your words in agreement with, with the truth? Okay, that was the first point. Second point, foundation two. And while I'm just introducing this, why don't you turn to First Corinthians chapter 6. Our body is the temple of God. Our body is God's temple. And part of our place in in um, acting in correspondence with our believing is taking care of our temple. I'm going to give you an example before we even read the scripture. Kent had his knee replaced a couple years ago. Most of you know that. And when he went to have his knee replaced, um, they had to do the, the, uh, you know, a bunch of tests before he went to have it done. And when they did, they found out that his blood sugar was high. When they did, Kent had... Of course, we started speaking over his blood sugar. Literally, when we pray over our meals, we pray over his blood sugar, <laughs> that his body and his pancreas works and, and his body is in balance. And yes, we do that. Yes, we believe God's word. Absolutely. But Kent has also changed his diet. That is his actions agreeing with his believing. He believes absolutely that God's the healer, but he also knows he has a temple that he needs to take care of. And so he's changed his eating. Those of you who eat with us know that. I mean, he's very cautious about the, the sugars and the, and the um, carbs and stuff like that that he eats. No more soda in our house. Well, I shouldn't say that. I have soda because I've had company. But we don't drink it. So is what you're doing in the natural agreeing? I believe that I have a part to play too. In my case, I was diagnosed with melanoma, skin cancer. So when I'm out in the sun, guess what? I wear sunscreen. I don't go in tanning booths anymore. I used to. And when I love the sun. I love the sun. But I don't get too much sun. I get a little bit of sun, and then I go under the shade, under the umbrella. You, don't, you won't see me coming back from Florida with much of a tan. I might have a little bit, but not much, because I just a little bit of sun at a time. So what are you doing in the natural to follow your believing? So let's look at what the scripture says about this. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple, the very sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, whom you have received as a gift from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, purchased with a preciousness, and paid for, made his own. So then, honor God and bring glory to him in your body. Honor God in your body. Your body is the temple. Oh my gosh, this is just... If you just took these two scriptures and meditated on them, the depth of God's love for us, that he purchased us with a great price. And now he resides in us. We're his temple. One of the things that I declared, and I still declare, 
when I was originally fighting cancer and to this day is that my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, no disease has any right in my body. Darkness can't co-inhabit with light. And there's light in there. The Holy Spirit's in there. And I would literally speak to my body and I'd say, "Uh uh-uh, cancer, you're not welcome. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You can't stay in there, so go. And I would literally speak to my body that way. But I also did my part in the natural to take care of my body. Okay, that's the first point under the under foundation two. I've got two more that I haven't that aren't in your Bible study. And I brought this book up because I wanted to tell you a little bit about it. Um, this is I think it's about three or four years. I don't even remember how long ago it was that we published it. But the theme of it is how to keep your healing. How to keep your healing. And a big portion of this book is what we're talking about right now. Living, I call it living a healthy lifestyle. That's our part. That's one of the pieces. In this Bible study, we talk about the spiritual aspect 99% of the time. But this natural part is an important part, living a healthy lifestyle. We already talked a little bit about it, but I want to talk about two more aspects. The second one is that it's important that we maintain a stress and a worry-free lifestyle. That is in complete contradiction to what you see in the world. But that's God's best for us, to live a stress and a worry-free lifestyle. Um, Would you go to the next scripture? Uh, It's from the message, so I'm going to read it from the screen. This is the parable of the sower. And this is the third kind of soil. This, in in the traditional translation, it says that the cares and the worries of the world get in the way of the seed being fruitful. I'm paraphrasing, but that's generally what it says. But I like the message because it specifically talks about stress. The seed cast in the weeds represents the ones who hear the kingdom news but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they heard and nothing comes of it. The point that I want to make is that stress... And allowing worry into your life affects your fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is the seed coming to harvest. The seeds that you've sown being harvested, developing into fruit, rich, mature fruit, and having a harvest. I want the fruit. Amen. So the point is stress-free living. And you can do it. You can do it. I, in my, um, you know, 10 years since I've been diagnosed, since I was diagnosed with cancer, I, oh my gosh, the, the, the uh, depth of the work and the responsibility that I had in my job was really, really big. I'm really enjoying um, retirement, by the way, (laughs) really, really enjoying retirement, but it was huge. And there's a way to live and do what you have to do, the responsibility that you have to do without carrying the burden and without carrying the stress. And I really address that in this book. I'm not going to do it tonight. That's another whole teaching. But it is, it's a big deal. So I'm going to tell you about a couple teachings that are online. And I'll go ahead and tell you this one right now. They're on our website. And it, the title of this teaching is called Stressless, Stressless and Fruitful. Stress less and fruitful. I believe it's just audio, but it's on our website. And it goes into practical ways to help de-stress a busy life with lots of responsibility. So you might want to go there and, and listen to that. But I want to talk about the third part that this book addresses, and that is the balance. Keeping your life balanced. Now, number one... Number one is God, God first. And I think we all agree with that. I didn't know that before I was diagnosed. Boy, do I know it now. God is first place in my life. Let's go ahead and read this next scripture, and then we'll, I'll just speak a teeny bit more about this. This is the scripture, Matthew 6.33, that in the traditional translation says, Seek God first and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. But this is the message version. I love it. 
Steep yourself, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Now, good. I love the, the, the word steep. <laughs> steep yourself. Immerse yourself. Steep yourself in God reality. God initiative. God provision. Steep yourself. What does God say about providing for you? What does God say about initiating what you need? He says, acknowledge me and I'll direct your paths. He says, trust in me. Don't lean on your own understandings. I have it all set for you. God, reality. Knowing that he's for you. Knowing that you're never alone. Knowing that he's not going to leave you or forsake you. Steep yourself, not once in a while. Steep yourself continually in him, and all your everyday needs will be met. So this is the next thing I want to say. That's number one, steep yourself in God. But then you still got a lot of other parts of your life, and that's the part that you may need to take a really close look at. In, for me, I know the signs of my life getting out of balance. I know the signs. I know what to look for. And your signs may be different than my signs. My signs have to do with my, um, my mood. If I'm overwhelmed, I get, I get like, I'm okay when I'm around people, but when I get home, I get really quiet. You know, I just like don't want to talk. Just leave me alone. That kind of, that's one of the signs. Another sign is that I miss appointments. I'm really good at a calendar. I'm really good at keeping everything in line. And when I have too much, I start missing appointments. And that's a sign for me that I have to look at my priorities. I need to look at the balance in my life because something's out of balance. And at that point, I do. I stop and I look and I say, okay, there's something out of balance here. What can I do? How can I fix it? How can I let some, get something off of my plate or give something to somebody else to help me with? And take action. Take action. When I was in the school system, I specifically remember going to my principal and sitting down. I said, Kathy, I need to talk to you for a minute. And I'd sit down and I'd very respectfully say, okay, I'm out of balance. This is what's on my plate right now, and it's too much. And she knew that. She didn't know it until I told her, though. So then she would help me to, to rearrange give something away, take something off my plate, have some, somebody else take a piece of it, whatever it was. But I was not too proud to say, I simply can't do this. I need help. And I would get help. There are things that you can say no to. Kent is my, um, he helps monitor, he helps me. And he often would say to me, Cindy, you're doing it to yourself. And I was. When I was getting too much and too, you know, too frustrated or too stressed, he said, you really didn't have to do that. You could have done something else, or you didn't even have to do that at all. So look at the things that you can rearrange in your life. That's part of taking action that agrees with your faith. God says, steep yourself in me. I'm going to take care of everything. But when you're out of balance, you need to do your part to balance those other portions of your life. And again, this book deals with it talks about some really practical things to do to help get your life in balance. I've got a really good friend who is my prayer partner, actually, and this is an area of her life that is really hard for her. I mean, she's what I was, a workaholic. You know, she's um, a teacher, and she goes in at, I don't know, 7 in the morning, and very, very many nights she doesn't get home until 10 o'clock at night. That's not healthy. And before the school year started, because I was able to this year, I, I, we were talking about it, and I said, can I sit down and just talk with you, share with you how, what are some shortcuts and things that you can do? And she was so open. She wants to, just didn't know where to begin. So if that is a concern with you, that might be something you want to talk to one of the, the prayer team about, and maybe we can help you to get some ideas on how to balance things that are out of order in your life, if that's the case. So that's foundation two.
Foundation three. The waiting room. We've talked about the waiting room before. The waiting room. I call it the waiting room. That time where you, you are learning the amazing goodness of God. Where you're coming into a deeper, deeper relationship and revelation of who he is and what his goodness is. But maybe you don't have the final report that says that God's report lines, that the doctor's report lines up with God's report. So you're in that place of waiting. You don't quite have that final word yet. You have God's final word, but you don't have the doctor's final word yet. That time, that waiting time is an awesome time. You might not think it is, but it is. It is a time of immense growth. It is a time of immense new things going on in you, in your inner man, in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul, in your life. It's a great time. So much healing is going on during that time. So much growing is going on during that time. It's a really, really good time. Would you turn with me to Mark 8? Mark 8. Healing is often a process. It's not always. Sometimes healing is immediate. But it's often a process, and it takes place over time. In this scripture, in Mark 8, we see the one example in the Bible where Jesus has, doesn't have to. Jesus prays for somebody twice, just like we did tonight for Chris. By the way, how's your jaws, Chris? Still hurts. Still hurts the same degree? Okay, well, keep believing. Say, say right now with me, Chris. Say, I believe that that pain is going to continuously go down. I'm speaking in faith right now, and I believe it. I know that my God is for me. And this jaw issue has to go away in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know what amen means? It's done. It's done. So be it. It's done. Okay, let's look at what Jesus did. Then he came to Bethsaida. And they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everything clearly. You know, I, I really haven't heard a lot of teaching on this scripture, but this is, this is Cindy's interpretation. You can take it or leave it. There aren't many instances where Jesus takes a man out of that location to a different place. He usually just prays for him right there, right? But in this one, he took the man, he, he said he took him out of town, like all by himself. He let, took him by the hand and led him out of town. It's interesting. Then he spit on the dirt, put it on his eyes, and at first it wasn't clear, and then he prayed for him again. Hmm. And then when he, after he did that, he sent him back to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. It's interesting. I'm just hypothesizing. Maybe there was a reason. Maybe that, that man, you know, was skeptical. He thought Jesus was a, a quack or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But it's interesting that it took a couple times. Jesus had to take him out of town into a, a private place, pray for him, pray for him again. And then he received. But then he said, don't go tell anybody. I don't know. It's just interesting. I'll have to do some research on that scripture to see what other um, teachers are saying about it. But the point I wanted to make is that healing is a process, and sometimes it takes some time. Sometimes it takes time. Um, would you turn with me to Philippians 1? Verse 6. This is a word that God gave to me, a rhema word that he gave to me. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that, that part of my testimony. 
But this is a word that you can take through that waiting room time and, and know God's promise for you that in the midst of whatever it is you're going through, he has begun a good work in you and he is bringing it through to completion. That's what this says. Verse 6, And I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in me, I'm going to make it personal, will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in me. Isn't that good? And the second verse that, that I, I like, this verse 12 says, Now I want you to know, Cindy, and I want you to continue to rest assured that what has happened to you, the cancer, has actually only served to advance and give a renewed impetus to the spreading of the good news of the gospel. Amen. You can take that one as well. Whatever you're going through, whatever it is that you're fighting, know that you're going to have a testimony to spread God's word, to share, to show others God's amazing goodness. He gave me this word in the middle of my waiting room. I was diagnosed in January, and I was all clear in July. And in the middle of it, it was about April, um, uh, I had a, a kind of a good news test. And because of the, it was an inconclusive test. I took it as a very good news. Because of that inconclusive test, my doctor ordered a second, a second scan because he was a little bit confused. The second scan verified or confirmed the first PET scan. It said that it said that there was cancer. It said that there was active cancer all through my lymph node system. And after I got that report, God gave me amazing wisdom. I had asked for wisdom. He gave me amazing wisdom. And I was able to talk to the technician and really ask really good questions. And I walked out of that appointment believing that the degree of cancer was less than it was on the first scan. I never really had that documentation but that's what I walked out in my heart believing. And when I got home, this is the scripture that God gave me. He said, Cindy, yes, yes, I have started a good work in you and I will bring it through to completion. Be confident of that. And not only that, this is going to serve to advance the gospel. You just wait and see, Cindy. I wrote that word on, on I typed it out, put it on my refrigerator. It was my word. He gave it to me. I had never read that scripture before. And I went home after that PET scan, and he gave it to me then, exactly when I needed it. He was speaking directly to my heart. And he's saying that for all of you, too. Where's Kathy at? There she is. That's your word, isn't it? That's her word. Kathy, about uh, uh, two or three weeks ago, she had a questionable report. It wasn't a bad report, but it was a questionable one. It was one of those... Uh, the doctor wasn't real optimistic with, with the results. And it kind of threw her. How many of you have been there? You're believing God absolutely positively, knowing his goodness, knowing that he's for you, knowing that his promise is yes and amen. And then the doctor's report doesn't quite agree, like, my, like the PET scan I had. And when Kathy talked to me about it, I shared the scripture with her. After I shared that scripture with her, how many times did that scripture come to you? Six more times. The Holy Spirit was showing it to her from one teacher to another, to a book, to, to all sorts of different episodes and instances. He was giving her that same promise. Amen. So the waiting room time, so much is going on. And this is where I'm going to share my testimonies. I told you, I warned you. I love, I love to literally look across this room and see what I'm telling you right now visibly in front of my eyes. I have seen so many of you go through the waiting room time and the, the, the immense growing and healing that is taking place on the inside of you is literally visible. It is literally visible. And I'm just going to pick on a couple people. I could literally just go around the room and talk about almost everybody in here. But I'm going to pick on Jerry for a minute. <laughs> I'm not going to pick on him. I'm going to brag on him. Jerry and Mary Lou, when they started coming here, they were different people. They didn't know Jesus. They had no faith. 
And it wasn't because they chose not to have faith. They had just never been um, exposed to truth. Now, what they did was they received the truth. They came to know Jesus. They fell in love with him. You can't keep them away now. I mean, they, this is their life. This is the fullness of their life, is their life with God. Jerry was healed in his physical body, but so much more. So much more. How old were you when you were baptized? 76. 76. Water baptized in our church. You know, he's, he's baptized. They're both baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were both baptized, water baptized. I just pick on Jerry because he's older. <laughs> older than Mary Lou. But that's what, what, they, what he's done. He's just got a whole new life. This, this couple has a whole new life. Yeah. And the second person I'm going to brag on is Beth. Beth, oh my gosh. She glows, literally glows with God and, the, and God's goodness. But both her and John do. And um, I really don't need to read this from my phone, but it's such a beautiful text I want to. Um, Yvonne, will you go? My purse is right back there. It's in the very front pocket facing me, my phone. I always know where my phone is. <laughs> I have to read this text. A couple of weeks ago, Beth and I didn't get to see each other because Thanksgiving and a storm blew out their electricity and all sorts of stuff. Can you find it? It's in that very front pocket. See? told you right where it was. Can't, can't find it. it. It takes a woman, you know. I'm sorry, I just had to read a quick text. <laughs> um, so anyway, she texted me because I was just checking on her and saying, is everything okay, Beth? And this is her message to me. It's beautiful. I've kept it. I've, I've shared this at least three times now, Beth. So Beth has been, you know, she's been coming to illness recovery for probably four or five months, six months. Since January. Oh, my gosh, almost a year. Wow, that's awesome. And I'm, guys, I'm going to share just a little bit. We have a smaller crowd tonight, so I'm going to share just a little bit. Beth, I hope it's okay with you. I just want to, to glorify God and what he's doing in you. Beth was diagnosed with um, stage four? four breast cancer, and she's been doing amazing. She's been doing amazing, but she's had a fight. She's had a lot of stuff. You would never know it, seeing that beautiful face and that glowing smile. But she's been dealing with a lot of stuff. And this is her, her mail to me. Um, she says, all is well. Because I asked her, how's everything going? She said, all is well. I'm feeling great. God is so good. He's just giving me revelation after revelation. The pain is going away, and I'm using less and less pain meds. Praise God. I've been spending a lot of time with Kenneth Hagen and Andrew Womack. That's what we're going to talk about next. The Holy Spirit has been using them to open my eyes to some things. Yesterday, the Holy Spirit said to me, the cancer is gone, child. And I just started crying, not because he told me that the cancer was gone. And then the last part of the text never came through. But... Can you finish that sentence? Not because he told me the cancer was gone, but but because he called me his child. Wow. Yeah. Just with such love. Isn't he amazing? Isn't he amazing? So I've, been, I've watched John and Beth through this waiting room time that they've been in. And, I mean, you can hear in those words, you can hear the, the faith and the, the, the peace and the knowing that God is for you and that he's taking such good care of you. And I agree and you agree with me. Let's just pray for Beth right now. I pray over you, Beth, and I declare that God's complete loving manifestation of healing is poured into your body. Every cell, every tissue, every part of your body is so healthy and whole. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for your promise, for your word, for your rhema word, for your prophetic word that says you 
are well. The cancer is gone, my child. And we thank you for it, Father God. With all of our heart, we thank you. We praise you. We honor you and we glorify you. Amen. 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 And the third person that I want to um, brag on is Leslie. <clears throat> Leslie has been coming for how long, hon? Uh, June, July. June, July. Okay, so last summer. And correct me if I'm saying anything wrong, but I'm going to do my best to, to get this accurate. Um, when she came, she was having some symptoms in her body and going to the doctor to, you know, figure out what the symptoms were. And before she, before she got the results, she, she was coming here. Um, and this was all new, right? This was all brand new. The teaching that that is God's will to heal and that he's so good. It was all new to her. And Leslie's one of these people that just is like a sponge. And she's just literally just absorbing, taking it in and writing and going home and reading it and studying it. And it's not just a once a week. She takes it with her and just, you know, just delves into it. We had a great conversation this week when I was driving home from up north and was just able to answer questions, good questions, and that's a good thing to do. But anyway, um, she got, after she started coming, she got a diagnosis. Can, is it okay if I say what it is? A diagnosis of MS. Before she knew Jesus, the healer, and when she was fighting the symptoms and going through the tests, she had lots of fear. And when she first started coming, that's what I saw but I don't see it anymore. The fear left. The peace came. And not only that, the symptoms left. Quickly. Quickly. Within what? A few weeks? Within a few weeks. The symptoms that she had been going to the doctor for to figure out what was going on and the diagnosis that resulted from all of that left. The symptoms left. But she continued, she is steadfast, she's seeking God with all of her heart, and now it's more, right? It's not just healing. She's seeking more of God, and she's finding him. Last week, she went to the doctor for the first time since the diagnosis, and they gave her uh, until December. They wanted to just wait, not on any medicine or anything. They wanted her to just wait, and so she went back last week, and she told the doctor how well she's doing. And so he said, okay, we'll just keep waiting. No testing done, no medicine, no nothing. There's no need. She's just walking in the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. It's just amazing. And we get to see it. We're so blessed. We're so blessed. And, and not just the, you know, not just Leslie, but her mama's here. And her mother-in-law is here. And her husband's often here with her. And, and, you know, she's been sharing all of the good stuff that's going on, not just in her body, but even in her family, even with her little girl. And, I mean, it's just amazing. God is good. And that, the point I'm making, I know I'm taking a long time, but the waiting room time is what we're talking about. It is so rich and so much is going on. You might not recognize it. Ask us. We recognize it in you. And we will help you to see it. The time that you use, like Beth alluded to in this text, is important. What are you doing with your time? Are you using it, using it constructively or destructively? Beth said, I've been hanging out a lot with Kenneth Hagan and Andrew Womack. <laughs> you know, um, Yvonne, you've heard my story about her many times where she spent hours with earbuds in her ears listening so that she could take captive thoughts of fear as she was filling herself with faith speaking, faith words, faith teaching. So how are you using your time? Now, I'm not going to spend any more time here now, but I want to give you two more teachings that are on the website that delve into this concept very deeply and give you practical steps to take. The first one is called the waiting room time. And the second one is called appointment not disappointment. And it deals with, um, if, you, if in the midst of that time you're discouraged or disappointed or depressed, it deals with that, the second teaching. And those are available online. Those are on the website. Yes. Um, <laughs> second tab. 
Second tab, hover over the tab. Yes, the second tab is called books. When you hover over the tab, it will say a healing journey. It'll have this title. Mm-hmm. And then it, and then just it'll say teachings. It, it goes to the right and it says teachings. If you're good with a computer, you can figure it out. And then there's, vis- there's video and audio and iTunes. And some of the, they have different formats depending on the teaching, depending on when it was recorded. Foundation four. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. Would you go there with me, please? Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. This scripture, the Holy Spirit, is bringing back day after day after day after day. I believe that's for a reason. It's not a coincidence. The concept that I'm going to mention right now is your focus. Your focus. We're talking about our actions corresponding with our faith. Your focus is an action that is so important. Where is your focus? Is your focus on Jesus? Or is your focus on the problem? Where is your focus? Let's read the scripture. In fact, why don't you read it out loud with me? Because I've read this one with you many, many times. Okay. Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us, and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus. Let's start again. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. Look beyond all that will distract to Jesus. Put your focus on Jesus. So today, I had a conversation with somebody on the phone. It was Teresa. You guys know my Teresa. Teresa, that's on our ministry team. She was going to be here tonight, and she was going to share this, but she couldn't be here. She wasn't. She was kind of run down, so she decided to stay home and rest, and that's a good thing to do. But I wanted to share this with you because, like I said, I think the Holy Spirit is bringing the Scripture back over and over for a reason. And I want to share what Teresa and I talked about today. She told me that this Scripture, she's known. I've taught it many times. I've shared it many times, and she knows She knows intellectually, and she even says she had heart knowledge, that yes, it's her part to look beyond all that will distract to Jesus. But this is what she shared with me. She said that in the past, this is what she did. She thought that giving Jesus her attention was what she needed to do, give Jesus her attention. And then... She would check it off her list and say, okay, I did that. So during her day, consistently, she sought Jesus. She gave Jesus her attention. She made him her focus. And then she said, okay, did that. She said that she said that she would fill herself. She called it the bank. She said, I'd fill the bank. I'd fill my heart. And then I'd use it up and be empty again. She said that her belief and her strength would waver and she could get easily distracted by other stuff. And then she realized, she realized that she had a lot of head knowledge and heart knowledge, but she wasn't completely resting in Jesus in the finished work of his cross. And she said, I had to choose 
to do what this Hebrew scripture says. I had to choose to do what the scripture says and to put away all that will distract and narrow my focus to Jesus. And then she gave me um, an analogy. God gave it to her. She said, picture yourself with both hands outstretched like this. Palms up. And she said, look at one hand and visualize Jesus. Jesus and the finished work of the cross. Jesus and everything you know about him. His love, his compassion, his goodness, everything. Jesus. And on this hand is your problem. And everything that goes with your problem. The, the issues, the pain, the, the symptoms, the doctor's report, everything that's the problem. She said, when you're looking at Jesus and your focus is on Jesus, you can't see the problem. But when your focus is on the problem, it's not on Jesus. And she said the difference right now in her life is that she's learned to focus on Jesus, to narrow her focus and to focus on Jesus. And she said, as she's focusing on Jesus, I want to look back at her words again. She said, she sees his love and his mercy and his grace, because that's where her focus is. She said, especially when I came to the end of myself, figuring it out, whatever the issue is. And she said, then I rest knowing that he's with me, that he carries me and carries me and carries me. She said, he reminds me over and over that he's always been there for me. I've come to realize that God loves me a lot and that he carries me through every season. He knows that I keep running to him. I know that God has completed everything. And since he's in me, his completed work is in me. She said her, she was saying, this was the old before she got this new revelation, she was saying, God, how can I do this? How can I, how can I focus on you and not the problem? That problem's big. How can I not focus on it? And she says, now I'm saying, I can believe you. I know that you're there for me, and I trust you. The focus narrowed. She said, I realize, I'm just re." re- um, summarizing this she said that i realized i realized that i needed to focus completely on jesus and not the problem i needed to narrow my focus i needed to do what the hebrew scripture says see when, when i when i kind of read this back over it was almost like it was a works thing before okay i did that check it off my list today and then tomorrow i'll do it again and she's saying, oh, no, that focus is my all day, every day focus. So whenever those worried thoughts or those symptoms come, take them captive. Put your eyes on Jesus. Look at him. <laughs> you can't see the problem. Isn't that awesome? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9? We're going to wrap this up. An action that you take to agree with your believing is to focus on Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. Now, every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself at all and all things. They do it with for a wreath that will soon wither, but we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. 
Therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. But like a boxer, I buffet my body. I handle it roughly. I discipline it by hardships and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. Now that scripture, I don't want you to misinterpret it by saying, oh, I have to, you know, buffet my body and, you know, whatever. No, that's not the point. The point is that we're aiming for a prize, an eternal prize. And our part in it is to to be persistent and to run that race and to see the finish line and to keep your eyes on it, to keep your eyes on Jesus, just like he did. He kept his eyes on the prize when we were his prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. And in verse 26 here, it says, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. That line right there, I think, is powerful. My aim, my focus is Jesus and his work in me. Like Teresa said, she said, he did the completed work. It's done. He's in me. So therefore, the completed work is in me. So don't run aimlessly without, a, without that focus. And then, in this is not in your Bible study, but it's Galatians Um, six, verse nine, you might want to add it. It says, it says, and let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right for in due time and at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. If you find yourself growing weary, if you find yourself wanting to give up, if you find yourself aimlessly running like that Corinthian scripture was talking about, then you may be running after the wrong things. You may be focusing on the problem instead of on Jesus. Whatever you focus on the most will predominate in your life. Whatever you feed on, I should say, whatever you feed on the most will predominate in your life. And you become what you behold. So behold Jesus. And I want to close with Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40. Thank you, Lord. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not faint or grow weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint and weary. And to him who has no might, he increases strength, causing it to multiply and making it to abound. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and selected young men shall feebly stumble and fall exhausted. But here's the answer. But those who wait for the Lord who expect, look for, and hope in him shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. Yes, stay connected to the strength. That's our God. That's his perfect will for us. He's got a great plan for you. So at the bottom of of page 94 in your Bible study, it kind of summarizes. In summary, these are some of the things we talked about. In order to act in faith, speak God's perfect will consistently. So are your words following your believing? Secondly, take care of your body in the natural, and that includes stress and balance. Number three, During that waiting room time, be patient. Know that a lot of amazing growing and healing is going on in that process. The next one is focus on the healer, not the disease. Run the race with the prize as your focus. And this is Pastor Marie's favorite line. Act the part till you become the part. 
act the part until you become the part. Put a smile on your face and say, God, you are amazing. Just like Beth. That's what she's doing. And she is becoming what she is, what you see. It, she is literally becoming in every aspect of her life. Amen. I'm going to close with prayer and then I want to just say one more thing after the video gets turned off. So, Father, we just come before you now and we thank you for your precious love. We thank you that we know your love and your goodness and your plan for us and that it's a good one. I thank you, Father, that you are for us, that you never, never, never leave us nor forsake us, and that your love abounds in a mighty way. Right now, I just pray a blessing that we all receive the depth and the breadth and the height and the width of the knowledge of your love through experience. And I thank you, Father, for the healing, for the healing and the restoration that is going on right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.